You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Hi guys, it's Rick Hadrava again, and you're listening to another episode of the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. I always feel so warm inside when I think of maybe the few people that are listening. Uh, I hope it's more than that. But hey, today I'm doing something a little different, and from our epic studios here in Oklahoma City, I have my friend Matt Pryor. Um, He's an agent with State Farm, and I thought it would be great um, to kind of go behind the curtain a little bit and learn about insurance through the eyes of somebody who has to run a business even in a corporate type uh, system. And I think Matt is the epitome of somebody who has been in his field for a very long time and has really focused on how to run a business um, so that he can do the best for his clients. And so I think we're going to hit on a couple topics that might be of interest to you, whether you're in the insurance field. And I would say that if you are, Matt's definitely a guy that you might pick up a nugget or two from. Um, But even if you're not, to learn more about that industry and really what goes on in in the real life scenario. And, And I will tell you that Matt, you know, I look at Matt as an entrepreneur. He's an outdoorsman, husband, father. He's a tech fan, a Texas tech fan, but we get along unless it's baseball season uh, around here, jokingly. Um, but Matt is somebody that over the years has become a friend of mine. And we were talking this morning before the show. I got to know Matt back in 2003, we figure. And um, I, I can't remember how, if it was just a search on the internet or I saw a billboard or something, but I reached out to Matt He took care of my family home and auto, and through the years, he's helped me with everything from rental properties uh, to some of the real estate stuff I've done to just recently, I think I added a a little policy on a a golf cart that that we picked up. And so Matt's always been that guy that when I do have a question, um, I can pick up the phone and know I'm going to get a solid answer. And so I'm excited to have him in the Epic Studios today. And so why don't we kick things off by welcoming my buddy, Matt Pryor, to the Epic Studios. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me. So, you know, I think um, when you sometimes think of insurance, you kind of think, oh, that's, you know, what a deal. But the reality is almost every household in this country has has some sort of insurance, right? And I say some because, quite frankly, it is the law, but that doesn't mean that everybody has it. How did you get into the insurance industry? And, and tell us a little bit about, you know, how that appealed to you and, and what what got you started? Well, Rick, it's interesting, um, you know, to be honest, how I got into the insurance industry was, you know, it, it started out as a job, you know. State Farm hired me. And, um, you know, I, I took the job uh, as a claim representative with State Farm in Waco, Texas. And, um, you know, at that time, I did not see it as a career. I saw it as a job. But, uh, you know, as I got into the, the industry and learned, I naturally have always liked to help people. 
And what I learned about State Farm is it's a company that truly, uh, yeah, they wanted to collect your premium, but uh, you know when you needed them, they wanted to help you. And uh, that appealed to me, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, State Farm at that time was kind of like an apprenticeship. Uh, you know, you, you were able to learn a lot of different skills, a lot of things about the, uh, the legal system, uh, you know, contract negotiations, settlement negotiations. I learned how to estimate damage on a car. I took my services out into rural areas where I was, hey, it was, I was the guy, you know, and uh, I enjoyed helping people. And uh, so that's kind of where it started. And uh, I enjoyed it. And uh, one of the other things I did is I worked with uh, a couple of State Farm agents who were out there in the rural areas. Uh, this was back in Texas. And, um, and then I saw them, they were doing what I was doing, but they were on the sales end of it and the service end of it. I, you know, I saw that, hey, I could make a really good living doing this too if I you know, put my skills to use. So that's, that's where it started, kind of heading in that direction. Okay. Um, so maybe out of the gates, you wouldn't have been ready to have your own agency, um, but you you were able to kind of get familiar with the agency or the industry, I should say. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that I, I I could see that going two ways, right? Like um, my wife actually started out as a claims rep for State Farm years ago, and that led her to law school and onto her career path. But so I imagine I see that kind of being the the situation. Some go left, some go right, some go straight, and you stayed in the insurance industry. And how long how long before you got into the agency side of things? You know, it was about uh, you know this might be a mistake. I, I can't remember for sure because it's been years. But it's about seven years when I started trying to make that. You know, hey, I, I think I can do this, um, and. Um, about seven years. Okay. So were you somebody that needed to feel comfortable with the whole insurance process before you became an agent or is it just something you you feel like you were fortunate to have that because it made you a better agent as you started out? I think it was a latter, you know. Um, I think at some point I wasn't one of those kids who grew up know, knowing what I wanted to be. But I did know that I kind of liked the idea of having my own shop and my own business. Uh, my father was a physician, and in a lot of ways, he was a business owner too. Um, so, uh, you know, having my own company or my own business, a uh, place to call my own, was always kind of in my mind. I just didn't know what that was. And so, so, let's go back to your dad for a second. It's typical for the son to become a physician like their father or their mother to follow in those footsteps. Did that ever appeal to you? Uh, medicine, no. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't enjoy school that much. <laughs> okay. I appreciated the apprenticeship yeah. nature of things more than, you know, going to school and cracking the books and, okay. you know, working late at nights as an intern. So what was it um, that appealed to you most early on uh, about the insurance business? You know, it was really, and, and I think I was fortunate to be hired by a company like State Farm, it was the, yeah, hey, I can help people and make money. Right. Uh, you know, and truly, if you, the more people, the more you take care of your clients, the, you know, the better you can be, you know, the more successful you can be. I, that really appealed to me. 
I don't know. I've enjoyed helping mankind all my life and being one of those kind of guys. And hey, I get to make a living doing it too. Yeah. You know, sign me up. Yeah. Well, it's kind of that relationship thing, right? If if you're focused on the relationship and taking care of the needs of other people, you somehow seem to get taken care of. Yep. Right. And sounds like you've done that. Well, let's fast forward then. So you've had your agency for how long? 18 years. Okay. Just had that anniversary a couple months ago. Well, congratulations. What Tell tell our audience or explain a little bit of what that agency looks like today. Uh, I have nine employees. You know, I've got six agents that work in the office. I have an executive assistant who really just helps me do some of the you know the enterprise part of things that uh, you know you you don't have time for uh, I have a dedicated claim liaison um, who kind of holds hands and and she's kind of the personal adjuster when you have a you know you have a claim or, or have something she's there to help and check up on things and make sure the company's moving in the right direction okay so it's interesting that you talk about team and you've got other agents you know because sometimes I I get a sense and I imagine there's probably some truth to it but it gets to be a very competitive industry right Um, because it's somewhat commoditized let's be honest and how hard was it for you to transition from the solo agent to more of a team and you know what what you have today as you put it, to, to, to gain scale, it's something that um, that you have to do. It the difficult part of it is finding uh, somebody uh, with the same values that you have, the intellectual capability to do this job, which is not easy, and, and somebody who is interested in it to kind of have that apprenticeship that I had years ago. Um, you know, that that's the difficult part of it is is finding people that that. You know, more or less, you can duplicate yourself yeah. through. So, so that begs a question in my mind. So, you've been running the agency for eighteen years. How much of your time is spent leading the team that you have versus actually doing the insurance work, the sales, and, and that kind of thing today? Yeah, you know, that's a a good question. My work, as far as you know doing the insurance practice now is I would say maybe 20% yeah Uh, now that's been a struggle of mine because that's what I enjoy doing I mean I'm a a professional insurance guy Uh, I'm not a natural business manager CEO you and I have talked that's why I'm in your program I mean that's a challenge for guys like me you know, transitioning into that, um, and especially transitioning into something where you didn't have that apprenticeship. Uh, I'm, I don't guess I'm a natural entrepreneur. Well, well, and that goes back to you know I was ta- telling you about early days in my career. We were t- all the focus was on teaching you how to sell. It wasn't ever mentioned, you know, how to run your organization, how to run your team, how to run your 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 office. How did you how did you evolve that way without that leadership or that mentorship? Uh, it's called the school of hard knocks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you learn by mistakes, and uh, fortunately, I didn't 
make any huge ones, but uh, mistakes in hiring, uh, mistakes in marketing. Um, uh, yeah, you just, just a lot of mistakes. And, and over time, you'll, you know, you learn, but that, you know, that's a difficult challenge. I, I think that's probably the biggest challenge for entrepreneurs is the companies they work for. The, we mentioned franchises, you know, they teach you about their product. I spent a lot of time learning about contracts and how they apply in a claim situation, but you know, how to manage a team member, uh, how to manage a work schedule, uh, how to structure benefits in a company. I mean, those are all things that uh, you know you got to learn on the fly. Absolutely. Um, I, I wonder if is there a high degree? So your experience. Um, and I know this again from my wife, but they, the State Farm sends you up to the home office for training and, and you do that. So you're in a class environment. And I would be curious of the people that started with you, what percentage are still in the business 18 years later? You know, that's a good question. And, and one I don't have the answer to, uh, I know when I got into my, and you know, I started my agency back in 2001, there were a lot of people. My initial class was a claim school class, Bloomington, Illinois. And uh, I know at that time there were a lot of people still with company. And I know that there's one agent uh, down in Plano, uh, a young lady that I went to that school with. But uh, I don't know the answer to that question. The State Farm, to remain competitive, is, is a lot smaller company now than it was even 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask is because I see that in industry after industry, especially when it's commoditized, is it becomes a numbers game. And I'm just curious what you would attribute the success that you've had in your agency um, over your 18-year career. Um, you know, what, what comes to mind when I ask you that question? You know, it, it, you know in business, you're either selling a service or selling a product. I guess in some ways I do both, uh, but it's taking care of your customers, um, putting their needs first, and, and I think if you do that, particular attention to your, your your you know the quality of your product or service, whatever you're providing, that you know that that you know that's going to ensure your success in most cases. Well, I like that because we talk, you know, you you said that. You know, you admitted you're in one of our programs, and you know one of the things we constantly harp on is really defining the mission, right? What's that problem that you solve? And you could look at it and say that, well, I, I provide insurance, but that's not really the case. Um, and and we were talking about this off the air in a commoditized world. You know, there's a certain market that that wants a map prior, right? And and it's really what you provide for. Is, is the need of that family um, and, and seeing that through. And it just happens to be that a lot of times the solutions are certain products that you sell. Sometimes they're not. And, I, I, and I'll give you a little kudos. I appreciate the fact that I'm not hounded all the time by product because there, there are people in the insurance business that almost pride themselves on how good of salespeople they are. Um, but yet, there's a high turnover. I mean, clients today are, are sophisticated and they can smell, I heard I heard a phrase the other day, they can smell commission breath 
pretty darn easily. Um, <laughs> and I thought that was great. We don't we don't live in that world. But ten years ago, fifteen years ago, it was a different world. What what makes you stand out? Do you think today in in your business because it is such a commoditized thing? I don't think we have commission breath. We're we've always practiced a, a needs based selling. I've never been a product pusher. Yeah. Um, but if I see a need and we discover a need, we're going to talk to you about it. You know, and, and we're going to follow up with you, but we're not going to hound you. And I think that you know, I think that's appreciated. I mean. It, when you practice a needs-based selling, the customer appreciates that. You know, they see you as someone who's got some integrity there, and they want to do business with you. That's probably been my the biggest reason. You know, I think the biggest success I've had as an agent is retention, uh, where people, you know, I'm paid as much or more for people renewing their policies as buying new policies, and. Uh, and that's the part that um, has made me successful. Good, yeah. Because if you, uh, my, my drill sergeant used to say, you can't just polish the front of the boot; you got to polish the back too, yeah. right? And that's that's really you've got to service people and, and give them confidence to to keep them, right? Because it takes a lot of work to bring yeah. them in in the first place. So, I'm I'm curious um, as you've looked more and more at your organization as a business. Um, what are some of the things that you've learned? What are some of the things you're challenged with the most? Um, what are some of the things that, quite frankly, you've learned to say no to? You know, I, I, I think the thing that I say no to is, is probably the product pushing. Any company that's, that sells a product, they're gonna have goals, targets, bonuses, uh, benefits, and and sometimes that can be very alluring, you know. The competitive nature comes out. And you want to be top notch, you know, top agent, uh, win all the awards, et cetera, and so forth. I mean, uh, but at the same time, uh, sometimes that pushes you into that product pushing. And I've said no to that for the most part. Uh, and um, and I think that you know that that that's helped me be successful with my clients. Um, so that'd be the thing that I've said no to. Um, the biggest challenge, it's the big demographic beast, which is also the demographic, you know, opportunity. You know, uh, I think every business at some point in time experiences a new market and that new market's uh, younger buyers, you know. Uh, you're calling this the over 50 entrepreneur for a reason. And uh, it's kind of simultaneous with the fact that, hey, I'm dealing with a whole lot of customers or a new market that the, the folks are younger than me. And, uh, and you want to remain re relevant with that group. And, uh, and, and, and that's the challenge is letting them know what you provide. And uh, so it's, it's different, you know. And they're different because let's let's face it, they're more apt to do a lot of things online. Um, I I don't know if this is true or not, but it appears that they don't value the ability to pick up the phone and call somebody they know. I, I completely value the fact that if something comes up, time is important to me, 
and I need to know that I can call. Like I, I pick up the phone and call you all the time. Hey, Matt, I got this situation. Um, what do I need to do? And I know I'm going to get a good answer, straight answer from you. And I know it's going to be seen through. That doesn't seem to be the characteristic of this generation. And I wonder if that's temporary. You know, we all change as we get a little bit older. Right. Um, or or is, is that something that will be with us forever? But has so that's made it more challenging for you for new business, I would take it. Are you how are you confronting that? Well, it's a work in progress. Um, I, I do think you're right. I, I don't think uh, these uh, folks in these younger generations are much different from us. They just don't like to pick up the phone, and um, and that's the challenge. And I, I, you know, it's still a little bit of a mystery, but we're working around that. Maybe they'll become that Rick that picks up the phone and calls <laughs> me on my mobile on the way to work. Um, I don't know, but um, that's something that that's a challenge that we're we're in the midst of right now. Absolutely. Well, so we we've done a lot of work, um, and I, and I have to give credit to um, a couple friends of mine that came up with the concept of um, you know sitting down and drawing a picture. You know, one of the exercises we do with entrepreneurs is have them um, draw a picture of what the business represents to them, uh, you know, in an object and that. And I share because you did that exercise in, in one of our workshops, but you went further and you had your team do that. And I remember you telling me that you actually posted some of those pictures in your break room for your team and stuff. Why was that? First of all, was that useful, and why was it useful? Because you know we talk about culture and different things. Would you mind sharing kind of that experience? Yeah, it was. Uh, that was an interesting exercise, and I'll share my experience first. Um, you know what I realized is that, yeah, I I was an insurance professional, um, and. That's the way I saw myself. That's mostly what I did on a day-to-day basis, and I, you know, I, I was not an entrepreneur, and so it was kind of a wake-up for me moment. Hey, yeah, no wonder you're thinking this way because this is the way you're thinking. And with my team, it the exercise, the, the answers were in a way all over the board, but all of it was about taking care of the customer, and which made me feel good about the culture in our operation is that we're all on the same page a little different they looked a little different but you know it was all on that spectrum of what we talked about earlier and you know um, doing what's right for your customer needs-based selling etc well and so just to just to kind of go through that a little bit so what we do is as we sit in our workshops we have our business owners with a piece of paper and a pen just draw a picture of what that business represents, but then I challenge them to go back to their teams and have their have that same exercise so that the team can reflect and draw their picture. And, and the reason is twofold. I think the feedback, just like customer feedback, let's be honest, we need to get feedback from our teams, right? And the ability uh, to see that in a picture of what that organization represents to them to your point, I think it shows you maybe some things that you should be doing as a leader, but also it helps you know 
and build on, you know, hey, is your team recognizing the culture that, that you want to build? And it's a fun way to do it. And I know you told me that you had some laughs with it. So, you know, if there's somebody listening today and, and that piques their interest, would you would you recommend they think about doing something like that, just having fun? Oh, yeah. No, that was uh, that was a great exercise. Yeah. I'd that, encourage it. Good. It It's amazing the feedback we get. And, and people might say, well, why does that matter? Well, it all goes back to, you know, you have to build that culture, especially in a sales industry, a commoditized industry. Your team, I know when I call your team, you know, um, I'm going to get the same level of service that, that I expect. And, um, how, you know, it's interesting because one of the things that I dealt with in my other business is as I turn more of the day-to-day over to my partner and the team members, I felt a little bit like um, I was taking my self-worth out of the picture a little bit, and I felt a little threatened myself internally. So as you grew your team and more, you said 20% of your your business is on the insurance and you've got these other things that you're doing, and it's relationship and it's leadership and that. Did you ever struggle with feeling like, okay, I, I am the business, my clients might be a little put off um, by dealing with my team members? instead of myself? Oh, absolutely. That was what I was comfortable doing. That's what I'm still the best at. And, uh, you know, you didn't ever want to let your any of your customers down. But to be honest, to, to keep this thing going and to, to maintain that level of service they expect, I mean, it's something you have to do. But it's uncomfortable doing. Yeah. And, uh, and then it's always easy to jump back in Kind of your defense mechanism. Yeah, exactly. Things yeah. get rough, get yeah. right back in. Yeah. If if if, <clears throat> if it gets rough on the CEO front, hey, run run for cover. What you do best. <laughs> but and and that's very common. I'm glad you bring that up because I find myself doing that too. Um, but the reality is, we don't let our teams grow, right? In that experience, because we take it out of their hands. And I think I think there's no right answer to that. But I think I think that we have to consider. Are we robbing our team of, of vital experiences, whether they're failures or successes, um, by stepping in to those roles sometimes when we're trying to ultimately build an organization that can be free of us, right? Because that's part of our program is all about, you know, putting us in that oper- that owner position and less operator position. Um, but that begs a question to me. So Matt, here you are, you run a successful agency, you're, you're not slowing down, but for you, as you look out the next couple of years and things, and you're focused on how to how to build greater financial freedom for yourself and your organization, how to serve great greater amount of people, but also have free time for yourself, you know, so that you're not caught up in that owner's trap. Um, what are the things that are important to you? What are you focused on in driving that forward? You know, um, scaling. Uh, and doing that through the employees that I have and the employees that are going to be coming. You know, again, duplicating my current team. Um, you know, allowing for more capacity. Uh, having a, not only a cultural way of doing things, but a written way of doing things. That's what I'm working on now. And, and, and then being comfortable with being that in that diff- those different roles, um, if you if you don't do that, um, 
And I think that's a challenge for a lot of guys like you and me. That freedom that you got into the business for, you don't have. And that's where you get the wear and tear and the burnout that you see in a, in a lot of business owners. And that's probably the biggest reason other than debt for failure, I would think. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a challenge. Okay. Uh, but, the, you know, scaling up, uh, you know, you're going to have to add employees. Um, but they're going to have to not only know the culture, but know how to do things. And they're going to have to be taught by other people other than you, or you're still there. You know, and yeah, it's that's what I would say. That's what I'm working on now. Okay, very good. So, what would you tell an entrepreneur that you know was getting into business today for the first time? Kind of looking back on your career, um, is there anything you'd do different? How you know? How would you adjust? Because the one thing we probably haven't touched on is how different the insurance industry is today versus 18, 20 years ago. But with that said, what advice would you share with somebody who was thinking about getting into business today? Uh, work on the scalability and uh, the duplication, the how-to manuals. Do that up front. Don't wait till you're 15 years in. Uh, become that uh, CEO and manager early on and not just the operator in the operation. Um, that was my mistake. That probably my biggest mistake. That would allow you to get a head start on actually being ahead of the growth that, that you'll experience, that you hope to experience. Okay. Well, listen, this has been great. Um, I hope people kind of got a little view of what you deal with, you know, because I think we all think, well, it's just a place we go, we get insurance, but there's a lot behind the scenes of running an organization. And quite frankly, I see a difference between agents like you who are trying to run their business with the focus on doing what's right for the client and getting to know those people and having relationships versus some of the competition that are, they just seem to be out there with commission breath, right? And um, I think that gives you a leg up, by the way, standing standing out in this environment, uh, but I appreciate it. So if somebody, you know, if they've got a commercial need, a residential need, or they just have questions, you know, want to learn more about your agency, maybe just general insurance questions or whatever. I know you're always welcome. Your team's very, very good. How does somebody contact you? How do they learn more about your your agency? Well, probably the easiest uh, would be to go to the website, which is www.mattlprior.com. Don't forget the L. Mattpryor.com is some singer. Uh, from the Northeast. It, I haven't listened to his music, but it, you know, if you Google Matt Pryor, you're gonna get him, or you're gonna get me. <laughs> uh, but so it's Matt L. Pryor, or the phone number is 405-749-8100. Very good. Well, Matt, it's been a pleasure to have you on today. Um, I always enjoy you, and thank you so much. Guys, you've been listening to another episode of The Over 50 Entrepreneur. I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, this is Rick Hadrava. Just keep moving forward. Thank you. The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap, build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, think bigger, and pursue next-level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com slash formula. And remember, we're only getting started.